We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. College Football Live, it is time to turn the page and look ahead. As college football prepares for spring practice, which program has the biggest shoes to fill and who will they turn to? And if you're already in need of more college football, need not worry. The historically-backed colleges and universities set to kick off their season in just a few weeks will tell you what to watch for. And as we look ahead to the 2021 season, we hope it will bring a return to normalcy. We'll have the conference games we just can't wait to see. Hello, everybody. Happy to have you with us on this, the day after National Signing Day. College Football Live starts. I'm Wendy Nix with Joey Galloway and Harry Lyles, a writer for ESPN.com, who joins us this afternoon as well. Gentlemen, the Senior Bowl is behind us. So, too, is National Signing Day. So, really, I think it's the first day where we look ahead and start thinking about the next season. Joey, I'll start with you and ask it this way. Which program has the biggest shoes to fill? I think it's going to be interesting in, in Columbus, Ohio, to see what the Buckeyes do. Uh, Ryan Day had a terrific run uh, taking his team to the national championship game. And, and the way they won those games at the end of the season, the Big Ten championship game, the semifinal, was their ability to run the ball with Trey Sermon. Uh, defense played well to losing a lot of those linebackers. But Justin Fields is the key uh, to the offense and to the team. He was their leader. He was their main go-to guy. And so if they're going to replace guys, it starts with the quarterback position, replacing Justin Fields, guys that they always leaned on, uh, not just for leadership, but his playmaking ability, uh, the toughness he showed in the semifinal against Clemson, staying in that game after taking that huge hit. He's the guy that gets this team going. And so with him being gone, it'll be interesting to see if Ohio State can reload like they've done in the past. And can they fill that position while also trying to figure out who's going to be that bell cow running back like a Trey Sermon, uh, who's going to take over the, the three linebacker positions that are now open. So Ohio State has really big shoes to fill, to, to fill with Justin Fields being the biggest out of all of them. Joey, I think that's a really good one, and I think that, honestly, Ohio State is probably going to have an easier time reloading just because and from a recruiting standpoint, they're obviously a little bit ahead of the team that I'm going to go with here, which is Florida. Uh, you know, they had Kyle Trask, you know, senior leadership. He played at a level that I don't think anybody really expected. I, we kind of expected that he was going to improve, uh, but he played at a Heisman level last year. He was a finalist, and he put up numbers that were very similar to that of Joe Burrow in his Heisman season. Uh, and I just don't think that's anything that any of us really saw coming. And then, obviously, you have his skill guys in Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts, two, two of the best skill guys not just in the SEC, but in all the country, especially with a guy with Kyle Pitts, who is probably going to end up being a top 15 pick in the NFL, one of the better future tight ends that we're going to see. Uh, and obviously, you know, they had a lot of holes on defense. That was a, a side of the football where they really struggled last year. And so for them to have to really almost reset on offense and then hope to find answers on defense, I think that it's going to be a pretty troubling offseason for Florida, but they probably have a good shot of turning it around. 
You know, it's interesting, guys. You look at what happened with LSU just a season ago. They win a national championship. They had some big shoes to fill. They fall off a bit. I mean, look, these marquee programs are going to have big names that move on, many of whom play at the National Football League. But, Joey, does that make what Alabama has done even more impressive in terms of building a program, but also seeing the, the year-in and year-out sustained success that Nick Saban has been able to achieve? I think they've taken it one step further because typically speaking, when you talk about Alabama and much like this season, they lose the offensive coordinator. They'll lose the defensive coordinator. Steve Sarkeesian is gone after this season. So we'll see. Uh, they bring in Billy O'Brien, who we know is an accomplished uh, offensive coordinator coach. So they reload not just at the player position, but they reload at the coaching position as well as anyone. And once again, if you paid attention yesterday to any recruiting at all, uh, you see that once again, Alabama pulled off a terrific recruiting class. So we've watched them reload. It's going to be interesting. I like the Florida call. It's going to be interesting to see what Texas A&M does uh, to replace Kellen Mond. So we are losing some top-notch quarterbacks this season. It'll be interesting to see how these teams rebound and how they reload at the quarterback position. Harry, he's right. And when you look at what Alabama's done again yesterday at the top, and we saw Ohio State right there behind them, uh, was there anything that stood out to you yesterday in terms of programs maybe taking a step forward, not just the usual suspects, but perhaps somebody uh, who snuck in a few players we weren't while we weren't watching? You know, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of these Pac-12 schools kind of hope that they're going to get some relevance again. You know, Oregon, USC's, the Washingtons of the world. Uh, because they just haven't really been a factor the past couple of years. And I, I think that after they had their shortened season and things were just so difficult for everybody involved, some schools obviously came out of last year feeling better about where they were in 2019. But it's going to be very tough for them. And I think that, you know, with some of these classes, there are some bright spots. But you, you got to hate if you're somebody that's not Alabama, right? Because you're just looking at these guys and you would hope that, all right, we're going to be able to, you know, just backfill these players. But Nobody does it like them, and then if you're a coach, everybody's looking at you like, well, why can't you do it? But not everybody's Alabama. Yeah, not everybody's Alabama, the rich Scott Witcher, but I would agree about the West, and I will also say this. College football is better as a whole when we've got strong programs on the West Coast. There's no question about that. Uh, we will tell you about a new role for Will Muschamp, the former South Carolina head coach, of course, relieved of his duties in Columbia, but he's moved on or moved back, I should say, to Georgia, a place he's called home before. The university confirming yesterday that Muschamp will serve now as an analyst, specifically with the defense, and head coach Kirby Smart is calling it an off-the-field job. He's not the first one. We've seen some, uh, some other guys reunited again. Uh, as an analyst, this is uh, Muschamp at Georgia. You see LSU, Valdosta State. Uh, listen, it's a little bit of a nebulous term in some ways, Joey. Uh, analyst, it can mean a lot of different things. Uh, what do you think Muschamp brings or what will he add to that Georgia staff? Well, it's interesting because we've seen Alabama do this every single year. You, we see them, uh, you'll see coaches get fired. Next thing you know, you turn on an Alabama game and that coach will be on the sideline, whether it's like a Charlie Strong or, or you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is another guy they brought back. Uh, and so you see this, all, and it's worked well, uh, not just for Alabama, but for the coach that has come back. They've always gone on to get a job uh, after that. Butch Jones is another guy at Alabama. So I like the move, uh, bringing in a coach like Will Muschamp that you know is accomplished. 
Uh, if you're Georgia, uh, you didn't quite have the season that you wanted to have last season. Uh, you didn't win the East. You didn't go to the to the SEC East championship game. So when you're at, when you're them, you're trying to catch Alabama, which we just talked about. You got to do whatever it is you can to make your program better. And I like the move of bringing in a coach like Will Muschamp. Yeah, Joey, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, it's pretty interesting to see how Nick Saban has kind of built up this, you know, career re rehabilitation center where he brings in guys who maybe had stops that didn't quite work out for them. Uh, but, you know, they come to Alabama and now, I mean, you've got guys that are getting coaching jobs after spending time with the Crimson Tide. I think where it's going to be funny to see where Bill O'Brien ends up in a couple of years. Uh, but I do think this is a great move for Georgia. I think, you know, a lot of what they're doing is trying to reflect what Alabama's doing. And, you know, Will Muschamp, I think he's kind of taken a lot of flack uh, in recent times that perhaps isn't fair. It's honestly kind of crazy to think about. He was at one point the coach in waiting at Texas. Uh, obviously, things didn't work out at Florida. And you could say that they didn't work out at South Carolina, and you could certainly argue that they didn't end well, and they didn't. But uh, as far as South Carolina goes, he's pretty on par for the course in terms, in terms of what coaches do there. So I, I do think that this will be a nice little career rehabilitation for Will Muschamp, and I think that he will provide help for Georgia that they, you know, could always use. Why not, right? Harry, I would agree with you. I think you have to put an asterisk when things don't work out in Columbia. Look, I'm a South Carolina native. He's not. He joins a long list of guys where it, quote, hasn't ended well uh, with the Gamecocks, but we'll see. We will also see what the historically black colleges and universities have in store for us. They've known for quite some time they would play a spring season set to kick it off February 20th. We'll have a preview coming up. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm -hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. If you're already in need of more college football, do not worry. The historically black colleges and universities announced in August they would play a spring season or at least begin it in late February. And now those dates are quickly approaching. The HBCU will open its season on February 20 and 21. So we're just over two weeks away from, you got it, Deion Sanders' debut as head coach of Jackson State. They will open their season February 21st against Edward Waters. A week later, it's the defending SWAC champion Alcorn State. 
They play Alabama A&M and North Carolina AT&T, the winner of the last three Celebration Bowls, opened their season against South Carolina State. David Steele now from the Undefeated joins us as well. And David, again, I mentioned this before, but we've known for quite some time, what, four or five months, uh, that CBU begin in, uh, in, in late February. And so how do we get to this point? How are they getting ready? They've had to go through a lot. Um, I think if you look at what all the leagues have gone through uh, to play basketball, uh, and that, that's not just the HBCUs, but all the, uh, all the conferences, uh, the sort of testing they've had to go through, the, 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 the protocols, the making sure that everybody's clear, the, the creating sort of like mini bubbles on campus, uh, checking everybody when they leave campus, when they come back from break. Uh, it's been a lot, and, but this is something they've been planning really literally since the spring of last year when all the campuses shut down and when they started saying, hey, we may not be able to play football in the fall, so let's see what we can do in the spring and let's sort of keep an eye on what the big conferences do in the fall, maybe learn some lessons from them. And they've had a little bit of time to work with it. They've been constantly tinkering with the idea. They pushed, the, the, they pushed it to the, kind, of, kind of all the way to the limit because a lot of schools have obviously dropped the sport because they haven't been able to keep everybody safe, but they've made it to this point. And as of right now, they're in a good position to actually start playing and to be able to play safely and to be able to get through at least a big chunk of the season. Yeah, look, those big conferences can attest to the hurdles you have to jump through, but they were able to do it. We had a national championship. We had a senior bowl. We, we've been able to do a lot of those things, so hang with us for just a minute. Uh, with that said, since we're about to have some football again February 20th, we look at some of the major storylines here. What do you need to know? Well, North Carolina AT&T running back Jermaine Martin and Alabama A&M quarterback Akeel Glass have both posted massive seasons. They are certainly on the radars of NFL scouts. North Carolina AT&T. They'll be playing its final season as a MEAC member, AT&T, I should say, before joining the Big South. That happens next season. They've won the conference each of the last three of five of the last six. And then, of course, Primetime makes his debut as the Jackson State head coach this season. They were 4-8 and eight last year and have not had a winning record since 2013. Uh, Joey, I'll start with you. Look, we talked about this when Dion took the job. Uh, it, look, already we were talking about it. I think therein lies the point, but now he's got to make a difference on the field as well. What's he bring not only to Jackson State, but to this conference as a whole? Well, I think you mentioned it. He, he brings conversation and he brings, uh, you know, eyeballs to the program. You said he's, they were 4-8 and eight last season. So eventually uh, those eyeballs are going to start wanting to see some wins out of this team. And he's done a pretty good job getting his son, Shador, to, to go to, uh, you know, to go to Jackson State and got a couple other recruits. So the recruiting has gotten better at Jackson State. So we will expect to see them get some wins in this season. But like you mentioned, this is the second time uh, in this season we've been discussing Jackson State because Deion Sanders is now there. And now they're getting into a time when they're playing ball in the spring where there should be a, a chance to see more eyeballs looking at this league and seeing what they have to offer. Yeah, Joe, you know, you mentioned recruiting, and one of the things that Dion did was hit the transfer portal because uh, there are a lot of kids out there who, you know, were really talented, went to these bigger, you know, predominantly white institutions and, you know, had all these big expectations about, you know, playing time and things like that, and they're not happy with their time perhaps, and Dion can go, hey, man, guess what? I'm prime time, you know, come play with me at Jackson State. It's a smaller school, but if you stand out, you're going to get all the attention. And it's an easy sell, especially if you're Deion Sanders, because there's all these coaches across the country can tell you, hey, I could get you to the NFL. You know, I helped this Heisman winner or, or this, you know, uh, Maxwell Award winner. But 
it's Deion Sanders. Like this is a young generation. We're all on Instagram, on Twitter, and hey, everybody wants to look like Deion with the Jerry curl, with the shades, on the phone, because like that's like the cool draft they pick. That's what a lot of these kids want, and he can deliver that promise, or at least that's the one that he's going to sell. They do have a they they do have the name recognition now. They they are probably getting into uh, houses that maybe they wouldn't have before. But they're in a very, very, very tough division in a very, very tough league, and they have a very high kill, uh, hill to climb uh, just to get into contention in in the in the SWAX, uh division, the uh, West Division. Uh, they're going to have to climb over a bunch of pretty powerhouses that a lot of these same recruits are very familiar with already. They see them in like the Bayou Classic and all the the, the big stadium games, the big sort of uh, rivalry games, uh, the Celebration Bowl and things like that, they're going to have to get those players away from them. Well, I think we're going to start reaping the benefits of seeing Dion there and his presence there next year, which, of course, is still this year because they're going to be playing in the fall again. They'll be having sort of the quick turnaround. This year in the spring, we're going to see them on TV a lot. We're going to see they're going to get a lot of attention. We're not going to see a whole lot of wins. I think we're going to see the traditional powerhouses, the, the, the Alcorns and the Gramblings and the Southerns, still dominate but you know sooner rather than later we're going to start seeing jackson state and Dion. his presence there really start to pay off david let me ask you this because speaking of attention look there's some downside of course but in because of covid uh the historically black schools right now will be the only game in town so to speak at least in terms of college football it does give them an opportunity i think to step into the spotlight and showcase some of this talent can that be a benefit to these schools they are in a way embracing that actually and it's and that was one of the uh motivations they had when they started making these plans you know a little a little under a year ago about playing in the spring where a lot of schools are thinking well maybe we shouldn't play at all during this entire academic year they said well if we're able to manage to put this together safely in the spring we are going to have the stage largely to ourselves there really aren't a lot of other uh, FCS conferences and teams and personalities that uh, can sort of match them in the drama, the talent that's cranked out. We see all the guys that go to the NFL every year out of the uh, SWAC and the, and the MEAC and throughout HBC, HBCU football. Uh, you know, we're familiar with the Bayou Classic. We see the sort of attention and the numbers that the uh, Celebration Bowl makes up. And now they're not going to have to weave in and out and, and in between all the bowl games and all the major conferences and the college football playoff. People are going to be hungry for spring football. I don't think there's any question about that. People are hungry for football year-round, no matter when it is, middle of the night, you know, no, you know and, and no, no matter <laughs> what so time true. of year. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to, they hope to take advantage of that. And if nothing else, they can use it as a springboard into the fall where they're going to get even more eyeballs now. But, yeah, the focus is all on them. And in a way, as long as they can keep it safe, they're really relishing the opportunity. No, David, listen, you're – incredibly right i mean you know people really got into the xfl the aaf like they will watch any kind of football they can get but i'm really excited to see how a lot of these people who root for predominantly white institutions get to see hbcu football even though it's going to be a scaled down version i mean like i don't know what kind of marching band situation is going to be but like the hbcu traditions and the culture is a completely different thing than at these predominantly white institutions i mean like, all those are great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those or anything like that. But you know, well, HBCU football is different. I think we all got members in our family here where it's like, hey, you know, whether it's Johnson C. Smith, Bethune, Cookman, FAMU, 
Like it's just a different brand of football. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to experience, albeit at a lighter level, uh, some, some good HBCU football this off season or well this spring. <laughs> Great points, except I don't want David giving anybody ideas about midnight football, at least not here on the East Coast. It's okay if it's out West, but uh, listen, I, I agree, and we look forward to watching. You can catch David's work, by the way, on The Undefeated. We're not done here, though. Still to come, we are turning the page and looking ahead. Will we get football back as we know it? I think perhaps we'll see, but we'll talk about the non-conference games. We just can't wait to watch. Just a few days now, Super Bowl 55, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Tom Brady and the Bucks on ESPN Deportes in Spanish, CBS in English, Sunday night, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, and you can watch it live on the ESPN app from anywhere. Let's take a look at a few big games scheduled next season early. It's not too early to think about, though. On September 4th, Alabama and Miami meet in Atlanta. Clemson and Georgia will play in Charlotte. And the following Saturday, Oregon will travel to Ohio State. We hope it will be the return of the non-conference games, Joey. We're hoping to get somewhat back to normal, the new normal anyway. Uh, tell me what you're most looking forward to in terms of non-conference games. I think there's two really good ones on there. I think Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State, Oregon, those are the kind of games when you bring in those big powerhouse conferences that we'll talk about for the rest of the season when we're talking about which team should be ranked where. So we'll keep our eye on a big matchup with Clemson moving on from Trevor Lawrence and Georgia not quite having the season they wanted last season. They'll reload and be ready for this season. Yeah, Joey, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, Clemson, Georgia, that is a college football playoff preview game. Uh, this is supposed to be one of those seasons, and I feel like we have these every few years where it's like, hey, this is the year where Georgia breaks through that ceiling, and usually they don't really do that, uh, but this time really does feel different. Like, they finished off the season strong. They are losing a lot of pieces on defense, uh, but they have a lot of guys coming who they feel are going to be able to fix that. Um, and obviously, they looked incredibly better on offense once JT Daniels came around, and, and they were actually able to kind of put drives together and things like that. So I think this game is going to be one that, you know, we're going to kind of keep craving for something similar as the season goes along. But Clemson, Georgia, man, that's that's one you can't go wrong with. No, you can't. I grew up with Clemson, Georgia. There were some epic battles. I can't wait already. Uh, is there a conference, Joey, as a whole? So I asked about teams, but as you sort of survey the landscape of conferences, is there one that you think may be more improved than we might expect? I think the Big Ten will be uh, a much better conference this season. Uh, we saw a Penn State team that was 4-5 and five in conference. They struggled with turning the ball over. I expect them to be much better. Indiana will continue to improve and be a really good football team. Wisconsin was 3-3 three and three in conference, which we haven't seen out of them. I think they'll be better. I think overall, uh, the Big Ten will be a much better conference this season than they were last season. Joey, I think that's a really good one. I'm going to go with the Pac-12 just because, man, this past season was tough. I mean, it was tough for everybody, but as far as COVID goes, their schedule was all over the place. Some teams played a few games. Some played six games. I think Oregon, Washington, and USC are going to finally give these guys possibly a chance to compete for a playoff spot. We'll see. We'll see. And you mentioned Indiana, Joey. I think that was one of my favorite storylines of the season. It was tremendous. What was that like, the trust? It wasn't really a trust fall. It was more like a, a dive 
uh, from the coach. But anyway, you look yeah. at it, he trusts his players to catch him. He's a he's a brave man. Uh, but there were a lot of great storylines. And now it's time again, as I said before, to turn the page and look ahead to 2021. We can't wait. Spring practice. Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, football, though, will be back soon, February 20th and 21st with the historically backed colleges and universities. We'll see you then.